Dear Church Podcast. Live, welcome. The video is being live streamed, and we're uh, starting off today the Dear Church Podcast with our first Facebook Live coming here uh, to our Facebook fans first, and then the audio will be, um, it'll be uploaded here very soon to our podcast page. Uh, I thought maybe today the first thing we could do as we started out is just chat a little bit about how our day went yesterday at church and talk about some of the blessings that we experienced there. Steve, you want to start us off? Sure. We had a great um, Lord's Day at our church, and um, I left in the afternoon. I traveled to Springfield, Illinois, where I'm preaching a relationship conference. But um, I preached in John um, about the Holy Spirit being our helper, and we need to listen to him. And just I'm thankful for what God's doing in our church. We're about to take some pretty big steps of faith and um, just had a great day. I love our church. Awesome. Martin? Yeah, well, I was away from church for a couple of weeks on vacation, so it was my first Sunday back in the pulpit, and uh, it, it was good. It felt good to be back, and we were continuing our series in Acts Sunday mornings, looking at Ananias and Sapphira, and their big problem was, um, you know, obviously lying to the Holy Spirit, so I enjoyed looking at that passage. Kind of difficult to preach in some ways, but great response, yeah. and we had a good day, began a new series in Joshua Sunday evening. And I was, yeah, I was glad to be back in the pulpit. Yeah. Had a nice vacation away from everything for a little while there and then getting back. That's always fun. Tom, how was your day? Uh, we had a good day here. Uh, tennis was, was normal. I would say we had some visitors, some return guests. We had two people in church for the first time, two adults that had never been in a Baptist church before. And that's always interesting to me from a preacher standpoint to watch their reactions and see how they're gauging the service. Um, so that was, that was interesting. I preached in the morning about marriage, God's original intent for marriage. And then in the evening, I preach um, from the Sermon on the Mount, doing a series on the Sermon on the Mount. But sweet services yesterday. Had a good time. It's it, it's sort of That's weird. Awesome. Can I just say this? It's sort of weird to be on a Monday morning sitting back here in, this is our church's conference room that holds my library in it, sitting back in here in a shirt and tie and doing something vaguely pastoral on a Monday morning. It's just not, I'd rather be on a hiking trail somewhere. You usually take Mondays off? Uh, no, but I, that's a complicated discussion. It just depends yeah. on the week. <laughs> yeah. It's sometimes pastors take time off, not days off too. So we, we had a good day here. Um, I was really shocked yesterday. We had just tons and tons of visitors and it, it was just out of nowhere. People that found us online, people that, uh, one guy, one couple, uh, we, uh, we do a new movers postcard. So we get a list of new movers and we send that out. And we had a couple come not only in the morning, but they came back Sunday night. We had a family drive an hour to come to church Sunday morning and then also come back Sunday night. Wow. Um, well, on Evanville's so, uh, roads, does that mean they lived like 10 minutes away? No, no. This That means that it's a rough hour's drive though. You've driven these roads, man. Pothole central, right? Uh, but yeah. uh, we're also in the midst of our missions emphasis. We don't do a traditional conference. We do three or four weeks this year. We're doing three weeks in a row and having a different missionary in. And so that sounds yeah, very I know, pragmatic. I, I, so I was thinking that when I talked about the <laughs> postcard and I'm like, Steve, Steve's like, all right, let's get into the subject for the day. Um, hey, let me ask but, you a cool question. You kind of mentioned days off there. What day do you guys generally have as a day off? Thursday. Days. I only I work take, on Sunday. I take Fridays off. I used to take Tuesdays off, but now. I forgot who influenced me to take Fridays off. I think it was my buddy, Rick Carter. I take but, Thursdays um, off. Yeah. Do you? I, yeah. I take Fridays and Saturdays off. I was, I was going to say, uh, smartest yeah, guy in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Hey, let me just say, for those that aren't watching on the live feed or on our YouTube, um, Tom represented today with the Fundy uniform. He's got the um, tie on, and the rest of us are kind of got the new evangelical look, so... The red suspenders on yeah. as well. Do you find this more you know, effective to dress casual, Steve? But I'm bummed. Find it more effective. Hey, I'm the least pragmatic amongst us, and I have merch on. Dear Church Podcast shirt here. Um, I'm uh, I'm pretty excited about that. We don't offer that to anybody right now. This is the this no, is you, the you'd offered it to us actually. I know. I, I'm like I'm like yeah. <laughs> we I'd offered it to you all. No, you haven't. No, you oh, haven't. Yeah, I know. 
<laughs> Teamwork's <laughs> not, not a thing, huh? Do we get into our content before we start losing? Teamwork's theorists? too pragmatic <laughs> for Steve. Huh? Okay. Hey, I did want to say this on the lighter side of things. Some, some I read somewhere on Twitter or Facebook, somebody was interacting and they, I think they compared Brother Russ to the Scarecrow or something. So my wife and I got to talking. If we were the characters of the Wizard of Oz, who would be who? <clears throat> and since Brother Russ is already the Scarecrow, that would make, uh, I don't know, my wife said Brother Tom would be the Cowardly Lion for some reason. I don't know if it's more the, the um, I, I don't know. That was just, I'll throw that on Melissa, but mm -hmm. then I would be the Tin Man with no heart. And that would leave uh, Martin as uh, the Wizard of Oz that once you go behind the curtain, you find it's not really what you thought. Maybe, maybe you, know, you get witch. You get past hey. that accent and, uh, you know. Steve, if you're looking for your heart, it's on your it's on your sleeve. Just look. yeah, I was gonna say you're more like Dorothy, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, man. but the, see the All tin right. man, the tin man doesn't have a heart, but he really does. I mean, at the end, he cries. He's you know, or as the only as bit. the only as the only dog in the room, you could be Toto. That might work. The bulldog. Mm, yeah. All right. Dog, that's true. We wanna we wanna move <laughs> forward I've never with our that movie. You're so funny. We we want to move forward with our, no, I we want to move forward with our topic today, <laughs> and and the first thing we thought we would do is um, just an explanation, right, of why we're doing in the middle of all of our pre-recorded podcasts. We're doing a live. So when we met um, back in uh, guys, when was that? A few months back, um, we met and we we recorded eleven episodes, if you count our intro and our uh, our conclusion, and so all that's going to be broadcast. Um, we did that in person, and uh, we soon realized that, you know, there was going to be a need perhaps to come in live uh, every once in a while and maybe address response, uh, give feedback, uh, let people know uh, kind of how things are going. Um, and so we want to update you, first of all, on some of that, and then we want to get into our <laughs> feedback, and we want to maybe answer a few questions, um, give, uh, give a little bit of credence to some of the, the responses that have come in. Um, and so basically we're, we're shocked at how many people have listened to our podcast. Oh, yes, we um, the response, if, if I could tell everybody what we initially thought we were on our Facebook messenger and everybody's like, how many, how many downloads do you think we'll have on the first day? And we all were like 20 downloads, 20 downloads. And we ended up on the first day having somewhat like 400, uh, on the mm -hmm. first introductory episode. And it's, it's gone forward, um, you know, we, we kind of were at odds as to whether or not we're going to give the total number of downloads. Guys, I'm going to leave that up to one of you because we never decided if that we're going to do that. What do you think, Steve? This was all your idea, so. I, I have no problem with it because, you know, if someone says that's, that's, that's Schmittens, that's fine because for us, we had no idea. And I really appreciate the fact that people do listen and download mm -hmm. And uh, it just shows there's people out there that are hungry for kind of a balanced biblical approach. And that's what we, we're wanting to be. Yeah. So are you going to give the, kind of like the, the flyover states, isn't it? You know, they talk about the flyover states that there's a lot of people there, but they kind of get ignored. Yeah. And I good. think a lot of people we've heard from have said that they were glad to, um, to have someone give them a voice. And, and there's been a lot more than, like you said, we anticipated. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. It's like, Part of, part of what we do as a podcast is we examine the ditches and then we talk about the center of the road. And I'm, uh, I'm thrilled that we get to, we get to give that approach. I, and you're asking me to give the number. I don't know if you gave it. I, I'm the world's poorest listener in the world. So I, d I don't even know the number. It, it, in a sense, it doesn't matter. That would be very pragmatic of me to do so. And we're going to, we're going to deal with pragmatism a little bit here. So, or revisit I get the sense, it, I, I get the sense if, if, if we were the apostles, which is a great stretch, <laughs> that Russ would be the one counting everybody on the day of Pentecost. You know, Martin's off in the corner preaching, praying up a, a storm, you know, and <laughs> one of us is preaching the message and Russ is in the back going, hey, brother James, how many do you think we got here? Does that make me <laughs> Judas? No, Judas was out of the picture at that point. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Yeah, there you go. You said counting the money, and I thought mm, no, detail. counting the counting the numbers of the people on the day of Pentecost. That's what I said. Same difference. Yeah, Judas was Judas was hanging around. But I'm <laughs> maybe we'll save that for uh, another time then to reveal to do the big reveal. <laughs> well, the it's only in the one that's against it is me, so it's I'm not voting. Thousands. Go ahead. It's thousands. It's thousands. Last before before Sunday, I haven't checked it today, but it was over four thousand downloads. So whoa, yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah. 
That's yeah, so, exciting. Steve, you um, you want to start with us with uh, some feedback today? Actually, I'm, I'm sorry. Was that Tom? Do you have the list of uh, things we want to go over as far as feedback and maybe just share a little bit of what people are saying? There he is. So <clears throat> I'm channeling Rush Limbaugh here uh, in my never nicotine stained fingers. Um, we have gotten, uh, and all of us would agree with this. Uh, we don't often all agree about things, but we've gotten hundreds of responses. So our first episode aired 20 days ago, 19 days ago on September the 1st, and uh, we all have Twitter, we all have Facebook, um, we all have email, we all have cell phones, and we've gotten hundreds and hundreds of messages collectively, uh, and we've discussed a lot of those amongst us. So out of all of those, I've picked just a, a couple to look at, um, some on the positive side, some on the negative side. So I'm going to start off with the positive. Um, so this is one particular email we got a couple weeks ago, and of course, I won't reveal names here on any of this. Uh, it says, I'm sure you're all getting flooded with emails today about the Dear Church podcast, so I'll be brief. Mostly, I want to thank you all for your contributions to this podcast. I'm emailing you because I have your address, but I respect all of you men for taking time to create such good content. I, like many of your listeners, I'm sure have felt a law, have felt lost, for lack of a better term, in the last few years. It is because there are usually only two viewpoints about the IFB movement presented online. The dissenters who think anyone still IFB is a pharisaical idiot who's brainwashed into rabid conservatism, and the far-right IFB who, to use your own commentary on them, are crazy. It is refreshing to hear from men who still hold to the fundamentals of the faith, the historic independent Baptist positions, and can do so with clarity and compassion, and don't have to check their brains at the door. I really hope this podcast gains some traction and can be a beacon of grace and truth to the IFB world. Thank you again for all your hard work. And of course, I think that that speaks to the fact that our desire in this is precisely to do that. It is to edify people. It is to be conservative, but not 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 in the ditch on either side of the road. Um, and we were very encouraged by that. And then to move from the positive side to the negative side. So we got some fairly negative feedback for episode number one, which dealt with refocusing fundamentalism. And some of that feedback had to do with the fact that we never listed a specific number of fundamentals. We didn't discuss what the fundamentals were and things of that nature. Um, in a minute, I'm going to throw this to Martin to sort of address that end of it, because this was that that episode was sort of his baby, so to speak. But my response to that is it wasn't our intent necessarily to go through and list all the fundamentals. Um, we've uh, I have the fundamentals sitting within arm's reach of my in my bookshelf here. I've read I've read the whole series. Our histories of fundamentalism. Our intent wasn't necessarily to discuss all of that. It was to discuss the importance of being balanced in relation to them, of, of not being so ornery that you don't fellowship with anybody because everything is a fundamental. And on the flip side of, of, of not being willing to separate from anybody out of fear that someone might tag you as being unchristian. So our intent was to portray the balance of that. Martin, you want to speak to that? Yeah, I think that answered it well. I mean, I had personal conversations with people who were expecting, like you said, a detailed list. But I think when we approached the subject of refocusing the fundamentals, it our intent wasn't to say, these are the fundamentals that you need to believe in. Um, as you've said, we just wanted to refocus on the, the issue at hand. And again, the ditches that we discussed, you know, some people believe there's only five. And, and I think we did speak to that pretty well on the podcast. Um, again, in 40 minutes, you're never going to be completely comprehensive, right, right. but to say that there's only five, you know, we had an issue with that because we believe there needs to be, you know, more, uh, I think we addressed the issue. And again, we, we could have always gone into more detail that we believe that by their very definition, the fundamentals demand you separate, you know, that's why the original fundamentalists determined there were fundamentals. And if you didn't believe the fundamentals, right. then you know, you weren't a fundamentalist and by default, it meant they hadn't moved themselves, but others had moved from them. Uh, but then, like you said, the other extreme, um, you know, is to be so, you know, to have so many fundamentals considered that you don't get on with anybody at all. Um, so hopefully I haven't just repeated what you said too much. No, some, something, that did, I, some, something that I think needs to be stated that we didn't state in our our initial um, refocusing fundamentalism is I think we missed the point of what happened in the early 1900s with fundamentalism in the, in the aspect is they were just stating the baseline of, in other words, they were stating the things, some issues of that day that 
theological liberalism had allowed that they were just saying, listen, you can't, you can't deny these things and call yourself a Christian. They were never stating that you should never separate over anything except for these five things. They were saying, they were saying this, you can't define yourself as a Christian and deny these five things. But the fact of the matter is since then, and during that time, you had Presbyterian fundamentalists, you had Baptist fundamentalists, and they disagreed. You had Methodist fundamentalists. I mean, Methodists and Presbyterians disagree pretty largely when it comes to the will of man and the sovereignty of God. So to, to portray this idea that, you know, that the fundamentalists make it where we don't ever bring up any disagreements or anything like that, good grief, us four men in here disagree about a lot of things. And frankly, a lot of things that we probably think are, are pretty important. So I, I think it's just a wrong mindset to say, you know, oh, if you're a true fundamentalist, anyone that holds to these five fundamentals, you ought never disagree with or, you know, separate from good grief. I, I need to separate from people that believe differently than me for their sake and my sake, just to, to, to effectively minister. And I can't, you know... I don't believe there's some big universal church out there either. I think God uses local churches and that's what's taught all throughout the Bible. And this idea that, you know, being a true fundamentalist is accepting everything and everyone just isn't, isn't what fundamental was originally about in the 1900s or even in the 1950s. It was about saying, if you don't believe these things, then you're not a Christian. You know, you know I just read, uh, uh, a book uh, just a couple just a couple months ago about the rise the, the the transition how fundamentalism died in the 1930s. It's a secular book, and then resurrected with Billy Graham. At least this writer's opinion was that Billy Graham resurrected fundamentalism. I would disagree with that, but set that to the side. But in that book, which is a secular book, he talks about um, so many very specific examples of what fundamentalism in the 1920s and 30s was, and how it how it how it lived. And it's funny because we independent Baptists who are conservative get criticized, criticized all the time for, well, you know, you're, you preach about modesty. That's not, that's not, you know, that was never part of fundamentalism. You preach about being separated from the entertainment of the world. That was never part of original fundamentalism. And that mindset is wrong because you go back and you look at Moody Bible Institute in the 1920s and you look at um, uh, uh, Biola and you look at um, uh, these movements that were, all of them were culturally separated not just ecclesiastically separated. And they all fought all those same battles in the transition to becoming new evangelicals. So fundamentalism, historically, uh, I don't buy the, uh, the, the argument that says that we're hysteric fundamentalists and the people of our day are historic fundamentalists who only emphasize separating about the fundamentals. I disagree with that. I don't think they're right historically. I don't think they're right biblically. Tom, you and I on Twitter accidentally disagreed. Like, I don't think I knew I was disagreeing with you. But one of the things we got a little pushback on was your position that you think separation is a fundamental. And I think that maybe that deserves some clarity. I think that your our disagreement, me and you, uh, is semantics, to be honest with you. But um, I think maybe it'd be good if you spoke to that for a minute. Well, the whole I- implicit in the, in the idea of fundamentalism is that it's not just a list. And this is where it speaks directly to what Martin was talking about a minute ago. It's not just a list of we believe in the deity of Christ, we believe in the miracles, we believe in the resurrection, we believe in the inspiration of scripture. It is what does that list, and this ties in with what Brodnack just said, what does the, that list demand of us? It demands of us biblically that we make decisions on the basis of who abides by that doctrine and who doesn't. And when you when you look at the history of fundamentalism, all the, all the people who wrote about fundamentalism, I've got stacks of quotes here on the shelves around me. Um, historians all agree, and, and theologians of the fundamentalist movement agree, that fundamentalism was not just an adherence to five or six or seven cardinal doctrines. It was what you then did as a result of those doctrines, which was to militantly fight for those doctrines and then separate from people who refused to hold them. And that's just so is, fact. So is separation, though, is it cause or effect? I mean, where I think I came in was I think that I took it as all of these things demand that separation be part of it, but separation isn't part of the fundamentals. It's an effect of it. Like you have to have separation, which we know separation is a biblical doctrine. It's in scripture. So that's worth saying. Uh, There were things that needed to be separated over. 
Um, but I think I just took the position that it was more of the effect of fundamentalism that in order to maintain these fundamentals, we will have to separate. Let, let me just add this in the fact of just, I did some reading on this, especially the 1950s break with the new evangelical movement is that whole new evangelical movement. What they kept saying was we want to stay positive. We want to be positive. We want to be positive and good grief. We all want to be positive, but when something's attacked, you have to be negative. I mean, I, I love the Lord and I love truth and an attribute of love is jealousy. And when you're jealous of something, you fight for it. Um, you know, jealousy is mentioned, I think over 20 times in the Bible, it's only spoken of negatively once. In fact, God's name is jealous. And as a fundamentalist, I think we're jealous of God's honor, God's glory and of truth. And therefore we fight for it. And to me, it's, it's not right to just say, oh, we want to be positive and kind and we never want to fight. Not that I don't think we should pick a fight. I mean, Good grief! My nickname's the Bulldog. I'm, I'm in. Wait, the did he just that, say we shouldn't uh, pick a fight? <laughs> Is that we're getting record? ahead of ourselves? Like, it's been yeah. recorded. We're getting ahead of ourselves. So, Don, well, maybe think, maybe just kind of go ahead, Martin. No, I was just going to say I think the the issue of separation, like you said, it's in the Bible. Um, but by default, if I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, He's the only way of salvation, and someone else doesn't and I don't separate from that, then it's it's not a fundamental. Now, we're not saying that the fundamentals are, you know, that separation is a salvation issue. And I think it's worth making that clear. And right. we kind of yes, assume that because I think right. it, it it does seem like a, a, a basic thing. But, um, you know, what's the point in the fundamentals if there's no resulting change in your behavior? Right. That That covers it, I think. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with his summary of it. And I think, Russ, you and I agree. I don't often yeah. like to use semantics as a justification for disagreement, but I think we're, we're close enough there that, that it doesn't, there's not much gap between us there. You good. Yeah. You're all right, Russ. So next moving, not, not that that will always be the case. In fact, maybe we'll move on to this next one. So we're talking about feedback here. So we've talked about some positive feedback some negative, some of the other negative feedback we got. And by the way, I should say this, and, and these guys will all chime in and agree with this, I'm sure. Our feedback's been running overwhelmingly positive. Um, I, I would I, I would say 90, 95% positive. And we don't mind the negative feedback. Um, we all have a healthy appreciation for the fact we need to be disagreed with sometimes, not to mention we're all married. So anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> the uh, other uh -huh. episode that we got feedback uh, from that was negative that was that, that had some negative to it was our episode on pragmatism um, i in particular got a little bit criticized for in fact called divisive because i brought up idea day when we were talking about pragmatism so let me give a little bit of background on that so several years ago um, i grew increasingly concerned with um, the the growth of the idea day movement um, not as a concept of trying to get better ideas largely but for the direction that it went. And I got a group of preachers together. I think there was eight or nine of us. And we wrote a, a two month blog series addressing a number of different reasons why we thought that movement was the wrong movement. Um, of course, Josh Tice is sort of the face of that movement. I gave him a whole, I gave him space on my platform to answer it. I talked to them before we started it, spent an hour on the phone with them. I gave him space at the end of our, of our blog series. And you can go look that up on my blog if you like to answer um, what we had said but I stand by all of that. So when I brought up Idea Day, it was I, I spent probably a whole year working on that, planning it, preparing it, writing it with all, with this other group of guys. And so it comes from that background. And I don't I don't retract that. I, I, I think it's the wrong movement. I think it's going the wrong direction. And I'm not going to apologize for that. Um, having said that, I think it's also true that what I was criticized for specifically was being divisive in mentioning Idea Day that I was being divisive of the brethren. And my response to that would be, and then I want to hear what these other guys have to say, because I'm sure they don't all, all agree with me about this. My, my response to that is, I, I played a lot of basketball as a kid, uh, and I was point guard. And when you're point guard, you sort of run the, 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 the team on the floor. As a point guard, there were times I had to call out a teammate for not doing something correctly. That was not divisive. It was what needed to be said and what needed to be done. And if I had failed to do that, our team would have suffered as a result. 
I don't view the, 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 the fellows in the Idea Day Network as heretics. In fact, I wrote a whole blog post. They're not the enemy in that series. They're not the enemy. They're my brothers in Christ. But I view them as teammates who are doing the wrong things, and somebody needed to call them out on it. I don't think that's divisive. I think it's necessary um, because we are one team trying to get out the gospel and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. So, but, but I realize that my position on them is perhaps a little to the right of some of the others uh, here in e- even our own podcast group, and of course to some of our listeners, and you're certainly welcome to tell me what you think, uh, and that's true of you guys too, so I'll flip this back to you guys. I think two things that I would add. One is that it really wasn't a big part of the podcast at all. It was, yeah. I think it was just one sentence, wasn't it? And then we, right. we moved on. So it wasn't as if we had taken aim and, you know, took a shot. Um, and the second thing, I mean, the allegation of divisive, I know a lot of the guys who went to the idea day or who go to the idea days, they used to go to other conferences and they don't anymore because they want a new idea. They want something different. They're heading in a different direction. So you could say that the allegation of divisiveness, which I don't think is true, you know, necessarily in, in the attack that was made on you, but, um, you know, I think they divided first. Is that fair to say? Does that make sense? You know, they, they're looking for something new and different. And so they went to a different conference. Um, so but, I'm not sure if that makes sense or if I just need to I, let I Russ think, take over. I think to me, <laughs> it, it, I agree with Martin in the sense that it wasn't like some major part. Now, it has become a major part of this episode, I guess. But the, the fact of the matter is, it was just simply alluded to. And I think there's a two, there's a twofold maybe concern in... That, that you could take time your your concern would be more i think on the content side of things where i mentioned it more on the philosophical right, side right, right. and frankly you know your blog ser- series and your concerns deal more with content right. and frankly i read brother tice's response to you and i loved it because instead of him defending the content he just basically said i'm following god and stick it in your ear you know, and I kind of, res- I respected that. I'm, I'm thankful that that was really his response. My, yeah. my heartbreak, and I guess my concern, and I think it keeps getting misinterpreted, like I'm judging someone's motives, but I'm really trying to preach to help guys with their motive in the sense that I'm encouraging them, don't look to Idea Day, don't look to, you know, and not just Idea Day, but Leadership Conference out at Lancaster or any conference some bus conference, don't look at it as that's where I got to run. That's where I got to get the answer. If I just learn the new way. And, and I always call the, uh, there's the idolatry of the old, there's the idolatry of the new there's, you know, we can, we can worship all these ideas and these things when we got to get God's mind, we got to do what God wants. And I don't think it's misrepresenting or judging guys motives. I think it's just the fact of reality that there's most likely guys and maybe a lot of guys like I was going to something and saying, I've got to get the newest idea. And I did some research because we got pushed back. We got pushed back against it that on idea days website, they talk about cutting edge ideas or I forgot how they stated it. I probably should have got the direct quote, but the fact of the matter is we need God's mind. It's not that God doesn't give us ideas. And frankly, God's more pragmatic than all of us because everything he does works, but works doesn't always look like what we want it to look like. You know, I mean, Stephen was a man full of the Holy Ghost and what he did worked and it worked so much that he got stoned to death. Um, So pragmatism is dangerous in my mind when it becomes an idol and it's like, I've just got to find what works rather than I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And you know, it works yeah. when you do what God wants you to do. And I think I think this is a perfect segue to, from my perspective on that whole topic. Um, so, I've I've met Josh. Has anyone else here spent any time with him? I, I no. spent an hour with him on the phone, but I yeah, I, you, you I mentioned that. that. Um, I like Josh. Uh, I have I have talked to him, and some you know I met him one time. So I'm not saying like we're best buddies, but I have messaged back and forth with him. And I think I think there's some things that he does that, uh, frankly, could be useful. Uh, I know that scares you, Steve. Um, but but frankly, so my response to Josh at one point was, you know, he he asked a, an open-ended question of, you know, why would you 
come or not come to idea day. Hmm. And I just said, you know, it would probably be for me that that's not, it's, I don't have an appetite for those ideas. Um, hmm. Frankly, if I sat down with a group of pastors who I felt like I was more like-minded in meth- in methodology, if you will, uh, I, boy, I'd, I'd love the idea. I, I love the concept of sitting down and exchanging, you know, this, that, and the other. And Martin and I, I think, are a little more aligned on this uh, because, you know, if, if someone shares, hey, look, this is what we did and we had this day and, you know, I'm a, for instance, I'm a law enforcement chaplain. Someone gave me that idea. Um, I, there are things that we do here. We're getting ready to have some, a fall campaign filled with ideas that I got from other people. Um, so I think Tom, you said it best, you know, we don't, we don't view anyone as heretics. And this is the other thing that I wanted to say that we are as a, as a group of four men, uh, we are individual in our philosophies in a lot of areas. And we knew that going into this, um, if you, (laughs) I won't, I won't reveal any secrets, but if you could see our back and forth, sometimes <laughs> it's, it is like fireworks. And, and let me just say this, that's good. Yeah. We, we disagree heavily on things at times um, and usually not doctrinal, uh, but usually along the lines of, of some of the disagreements that we experience from, from what you mentioned, Tom, from these, these episodes. So I think that gives us a perfect segue. We are moving quickly through our time, so I don't want to uh, belabor this anymore. But one of the things we also wanted to discuss today was this, that all of us, we have a, we have a presence on social media. We have our Dear Church podcast pages. We have a YouTube. Go follow us on YouTube if, you, if you'd like to do that. Uh, we have Facebook. We have Twitter. Um, I think probably Twitter is where most of us engage. And that is, I think, just kind of the way it goes. It's, it's funny how that's the worst platform at times for engagement. And yet that that's where truth. we all engage. It's so difficult. It really is. It, it's like the Mars Hill of our day, though. I mean, it really is a yeah. place to, to, to engage in uh-huh. philosophical thought and discussion. And I love it. And I also like it because no one can really preach a long message on there. You're, you're limited. <laughs> Which is why I can't stand it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tom can't stand Twitter and he can't stand podcasts. So let's just. Yeah, that. That. Uh, other than that, I'm good. And video. I don't like video either. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. But, but listen here real quick. So we want to do this. We want to take some of the time we have remaining and just talk through some of our, our personal social media philosophies because they're different. Um, some of the other guys do things differently than how I would do it. Um, I think my way's right and their way's wrong. Uh, they think their way's right, and my way's wrong, uh, and and we're okay with that. But we wanted we wanted to take some time and just give platform to how we view the usefulness of this tool. Steve, why don't you kick us off? I definitely will, and let me just give a, a program note here that I, I think we should chill a little bit in the sense of just. I know we try to land in a certain time frame, and since this is our first live, I'd rather not rush through this portion. So if this of course not um, session goes a little longer, or I mean this podcast, let's let's live with that a little bit. I want to encourage my um, fellow uh, tr- dear church podcast guys. Those, in those weren't so, the rules before we started, but yeah, we'll go with it. Yeah, Wait, is we'll, he breaking we'll, rules? We'll change the rules. He yeah, only likes to make it. rules. He doesn't like to keep them. I know, and <laughs> I know, brother Tom. Brother Tom's got a, you've got to run and minister. And I understand that. Um, when it comes to my online philosophy, um, I personally learn through discussion. I learn through debate. I learn through, this is what I believe. And I argue it and then it gets attacked. And then I, I learn the weaknesses of it. I'll sometimes even play the devil's advocate and argue something that I, I don't even agree with in the sense that I want to learn and that is so helpful to me. And if people don't understand that, and then on the other side of that, I really love people. I could be around people all the time. My whole life, I've been that way. I've always like had a friend come to my house. And as soon as he got there, I'd say, hey, let's call so-and-so. And I'd always want to bring together people. And, you know, I brought us four together for this. And I, you know, I do events with our couples ministry and I bring preachers together. And I love people. And I love to learn through that way. And I really have philosophically a heart that as preachers, especially as preachers, we need to publicly discuss things that are important. And to me, it needs to be public because what can happen is 
when something's controversial, if someone's starting to lead in a certain direction, they could have a lot of private conversations and they're not even lying to people, but they're shading their discussion to please the person they're talking to that when it's public, it, it then reveals. And I, I think when we believe something, we believe it to be true. Why would we then be afraid to, to stand up for it, to defend it biblically? I'm bothered by, and I don't care how much of a quote, big shot preacher you are, but people that don't engage publicly on something. And I kind of don't know why sometimes, you know, we could call the big shots don't do that because they know if they make some big public statement about it, they're going to get hammered and it's going to affect their ministry. And I, I can't tell you how many times I have people privately say to me, brother Steve, I mean, you're discussing these things and it could really, you know, it could really hurt your couple's ministry and boy, it's going to really affect it. And, you know, to me, the Bible says a good name is rather be chosen than great riches. And to me, if I'm protecting my name to protect my ministry, because that's my bread and butter, I'm, I'm to me violating that verse. I'm like choosing to protect this ministry because I don't want to just stand for truth. And I'd rather have a reputation that I want to stand and fight for what's true. Now, granted, I don't, you know, I don't need to, I don't need to debate all the time, but it's like, I, I had a friend of mine. In fact, he's a, he's an Anon account on Twitter and I'll, I'll give a shout out to unwise eight, but he he's like, why don't you just, you know, why don't you just ask a question? Well, Questions are boring. To me, you've got to have a headline. I mean, you, you've got to put a post out there that's going to just maybe rub a little bit to cause someone to, you know, to react. So, well, so let me, that's let me my cut in a second. Is, I, I, I love, what's that? Uh, let me cut in a second. So, okay, go ahead. I got more, go ahead. What's that? Go ahead. I got more. So, go ahead. <laughs> I've been waiting. Um, so what would be the, the biblical example or the verse that you would point to as, as being the defense for your, your method? I mean, Jesus asked questions all the time and very often that was his, you know, we call it the Socratic method, but you know, Jesus was just expert in that, in, in teaching through questioning. Um, so right, that but you gotta remember my, Jesus Jesus was asking questions when he was asked the question. I've actually done that on Twitter where someone asked me something, then I asked something back and they're like, you're, you know, you're shifting the conversation. You're moving the goalposts. And I'm like, no, I'm asking you a question about your question. So I would, I would point as, to the fact whole, that iron sharpens iron. So yeah, a man sharpens the countenance and of I his friend. That would there be, is, I figured that would be the verse that you would go to on that. Yeah. Well, definitely. Plus, I mean, Paul and Peter, and I know the issue was the gospel um, you know, the gospel to the saint was more there in Galatians when Paul withstood Peter to his face. And, and I think there is a place for public, even Acts 15, where they're publicly discussing these things. And I, I think that's important. How, how do you mentally balance that with all the biblical calls to, um, and I'm the guy who just got accused of being divisive, but all the biblical calls to unity and to charity and to, and to graciousness I'm not saying you're not any of those. I'm saying, how do you balance right. that in your mind between I'm going to take a public stand on something and be relatively aggressive on it with all of yeah. that in the, in the word of God? That, that's a great question. That actually is my next point of my philosophy. And that's, you got to allow someone else to be wrong. Um, one of a, one of the huge moments in my life was I had got bent out of shape with an older preacher about something. And I loved him to death <clears throat> And to make a long story short, I started getting a bad attitude and my wife just lovingly confronted me. She's like, Steve, you know, don't you love that guy? I'm like, yeah, I love him, but he's so wrong. And I was bent out of shape about the disagreement. And then she goes, you're right on it. He's wrong. Why don't you just let him be wrong and love him? And I was like, and that was 15 years ago that happened. And it really, it really, when I'm on any platform like with you guys privately or you guys on here or on Twitter or Facebook, and I'm having these intense discussions. I love those people and I'll quote, let them be wrong. They can let me be wrong. And if I'm ever wrong and I hope someone will confront me, I will definitely make that right. 
In fact, I remember probably about a year ago, politically, I went after a pastor I didn't know super well. And then I think it was a lady in his church or somebody was like, you're not right in what you said, this and that. And I just thought about it. I thought, you know, you're right. And I just publicly went back and apologized. And to me, it's not, the goal isn't to cause a division. The goal is to come to truth. And if you end up looking at things differently, man, I'm a hundred percent okay with that. I believe in individual soul liberty, the priesthood of the believer. So it, it isn't like those people are my enemies. So I guess the issue then is if, if you can let them be wrong, then sometimes by provoking debating, you're not letting them be wrong. Does that make sense? Oh, that I, I understand your point in that. And, and the thing is, people don't have to engage. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't respect them if they don't, if they don't engage. You just said well, that. <laughs> no, I, I, I wouldn't say no, because I'll, I'll never know. I mean, I don't know just, how many people will, will see something that I post, so I don't know. So a disclaimer on the conversation is not that we didn't have this conversation or plan it so that us three could uh, grill Steve, correct Steve, whatever. <laughs> um, again, if people saw our background conversations, they would know where we agree and disagree on this. And we're not hiding that. Um, now, personally, I don't, I don't do it the way that Steve does it. You know, I, I think that sometimes I fall into a kind of a mentality of not taking hold of a, a dog by the ears, right? Strife that doesn't belong to you. Some of that is what factors into the way that I, when I do and don't engage. Uh, other times is um, uh, I don't have time, you know, and, and sometimes I do have time because you could go back through my Twitter. My, my wife, she used to joke, she goes, you only get one of these a month. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, until I met Steve and then it, it, it increased. <laughs> Uh, but, but, you know, there are times, and so here's where I, where I don't, I don't agree with never responding. Right. Because there's, there are times when stuff gets slung around on social media and honestly it needs to be addressed and needs to be corrected right. and it needs to be dealt with. And there've been some times with people that I've done that and they've still continued their narrative. And I've said, well, no, I've explained myself this, that, and the other had a very popular, um, official page for a different group use their their official deal to come after me and I, I said no that's not what i said and here's what i said and then they came back and said so you said this i'm like hey man now you're now you're being dishonest uh so i i did answer that because i felt like i was being misrepresented um but again huh, the, the the feedback on facebook i'm just noticing timothy thank you for your comment roast session on steve uh but the uh the the the, the deal goes back to this all four of us refuse to be the same in how we conduct ourselves. Right. Uh, we, we demand individuality. That's where the independent comes from in our name. Uh, and there are times that I, I absolutely take Steve's philosophy. I just let him be wrong and I'm good. So that's that. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you, Steve. <laughs> yeah. The thing is though, you don't really have to institute that very often. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the thing. The approach I try to take on social media is you know and i'm trying to write like a little booklet on it so i'll try and be brief but um oh. i want my words to be seasoned with salt i want them to be gracious i think instead of graciousness being um the exception it needs to be the rule and so that's what i aim for as being my standard and i think my online identity needs to be the same as my offline identity it shouldn't be this is martin in person and he's a different guy online i want it to be the same um and i guess the, the 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 final thing is that i've had to get to the point for my own blood pressure and health and well-being and for the good of those around me that i've had to realize that you know sometimes i just have to make a statement and i can't defend it to right. the death i mean we, we've seen right. twitter conversations recently i've been in them and i probably will again where they just go on and on and on and on. And nobody's going to be convinced. Nobody's going to change their mind. And at some point, um, you know, you have to let go. And I'm learning kind of sooner rather than later to say, hey, appreciate the conversation genuinely, but I'm going to leave it here. Um, and so I think that's where, you know, I'm at when it comes to social media usage. Um, so, yeah. Brudneck, how frustrated do you get with the three of us that we don't necessarily see it the way you see it? Oh, I don't get frustrated at all. Um, to me, it's a, it's a matter of individual soul liberty. I do think, though, that 
I, I just, I, I guess maybe it's a little bit in the way I grew up in the fact that I didn't like live, I, I didn't live in some prominent family. I wasn't like the son of a preacher or a deacon. And I, I, to me, I kind of view it as soft and snowflakey that, and you guys know this because I've, I've thrown such words at you at times that, that, that you would just back down from something when you have an opportunity to, you know, to deal with it. Okay. And, okay. But, but so is being gracious being a snowflake? Oh, that's good. No, that's no. Good. I, I think being gracious is something that, that we should definitely do. But I think when you enter into this, a discussion, you're, you're there to learn, you're there to grow. Um, and don't, but why, don't you, don't you, are, are you concerned at all with getting tagged or identified with the, uh, uh, everybody, everybody pigeonholing you as just the guy who argues all the time? Don't, yes. In other words, if, if that's how you're identified by the majority of people who are reading or listening or watching, they're going to tune out the good stuff that you have to say. I, I understand that. And it actually can get you tagged with a name like Bulldog too. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but here's the thing. I have actually had several people that would be not where we're at privately reach. I, I've had so many people privately reach out. I've had the ability to, I think impact people because if you know me and you know my heart, it's not that way. And it, it, someone that doesn't know me, they're going to draw those conclusions and that's fine. I mean, they're going to draw conclusions about you all too, but to me, the people I'm closest to and I'm ministering to and people that finally will work through some of that, you know, bulldogishness will, will see my heart come through and, I, I really love people and, you know, I can't, I don't ever measure things on what are people going to think about me? Because back when I was 15 and I got right with the Lord, the reason I wasn't right with the Lord was I, wor I worried about what everybody thought about me and God used the message being a fool for Christ. And I don't think that's being foolish, but I think that's being willing to not be this, you know, quote, acceptable you know, faith puts us in comfortable, uncomfortable positions and leaders sometimes lead. And, you know, sometimes that doesn't go over the best, but you know, that, so that's my heart in that. Tom, I think maybe if you shared your philosophy, how you kind of take, take it and all that. And then, then we probably need to get into our letter for the day. Is that you, Steve? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I, I, <laughs> I've contemplated writing something about this. I think of everything that's been said on this particular topic, I most line up with, with Martin. Um, although I, I do agree with what you said, Russ, about, uh, about defending yourself when it's necessary for your own integrity. I do think guys who, who always use their platform simply, I want to edify. That's what I want to do. I want to edify. I want to be that blend of grace and truth that Jesus is. We've talked about that in this podcast. Uh, Martin, your statement about uh, about always with grace, seasoned with salt, that's actually my Twitter handle or description underneath my Twitter page. Um, I, that, that's, that speaks to me, and I hope that you do write more on that, or, and I mean that. Um, I do think guys who just are always positive online and they never engage in debates, I think they do a disservice to the cause of Christ because they don't take a stand. Hmm. Um I think if all you do is take a stand, you do a disservice to the cause of Christ because you never edify. Uh, this might get me hurt, but I don't care. It's what I think. I think David Cloud has done himself a terrible disservice by simply being against, 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 against perpetually. And I don't want to be that in my preaching, in my writing, in my social media engagement. Uh, but I also don't want to back down. If I think it's important, I try to save the times I'm really going to, I'm really going to fuss with somebody for something I think is worth fussing about. That's the short version. And Martin, you know all too well that even if you're positive and promote what you're for, you still get criticized. So <laughs> this is at, a certain, at a certain point, there's no winning the battle. But again, this is not a I'm, I'm reading Facebook posts as they're, they're coming in and they're hilarious. You have to go check them out later. I won't give any. any yeah, other. let me just say I appreciate <laughs> Tom in all our episodes drops these names and, you know. 
I should have cleared that one first. Huh? Yeah, no doubt. He, he is, is breaking he, rules. That's okay. You know, <laughs> my guess is David Cloud will be a, against us eventually, anyway. So we might as well just clear that air right off the bat. So I think he already is probably. So <laughs> well, whatever. Maybe not. This was um, this was a good episode, um, and I think it's something that that we we needed to get out there, uh, and we can all stand by what we have said on this. I feel confident in that. And so we do have a letter to the church today, and we want you to read that. Um, so if you uh, would grace us with that letter, that would be wonderful. I definitely will. Dear church, uh, we have all faced very difficult times in 2020, 2021. And we would like to encourage you that in Jesus Christ, we have hope. He is our only hope. And that hope isn't some hope-so faith like a 21st century Christian American may think of it, like I hope it works out or maybe it will or maybe it won't. But hope is the expectation that in everything, God will work things out for his glory and our ultimate good. You will never, ever be ashamed to follow God and put your hope in him. Romans 3 Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts Amen. by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Persevering through the tough times, the trials with God, provides us the experience that we learn to expect or to hope that God always comes through. And he does every time. God never fails. So our hope is sure. And if you're hurting, or if you're like a lot of us, just fed up with the craziness of everything we've been experiencing as a society, can we encourage you to hope in God? Amen. And when you hope in God, it allows God's love to be shed abroad in your heart. This world is in desperate need of seeing God's love. So put your hope in God. You won't be disappointed. You'll never be ashamed. And then God will use you as an effective and powerful tool to show his love to a hurting world. His servants and yours, Steve, Tom, Martin, and Stephen. Stephen.